What's up, you guys? And welcome to the official podcast of Damien Talks Education. So listen up. I am here to talk about all things education on my podcast. So get prepared for some realness and honesty of education as I walk you down through various of topics that's happening in the education world with some amazing guests to sharing stories relating to education and so much more because I got you covered with education. So join me on this journey of education with me. Today, 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 I have a very, very special guest with me on today. Um, he is a educational and a behavior um, consultant, and he has been um, a lot of more things. So um, I'm gonna introduce y'all. Um, please. Um, Correct me if I mispronounce your name. Um, Ruth is Rufus. Uh-huh. Okay, Zechariah. So that's it. That's it. All right. So welcome to my show. Welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um. So, um, like what I do on my show before I get started. Um, I like to give my um, listeners, my viewers, um, a chance for my guests to give like a little background of themselves. So, would you like to like just give them like a little background of like who you are too? Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, again, like you said, my name is Ruth Zachariah. Um, I currently live in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in a small town called Grifton, North Carolina, about four hours from Charlotte. Um, moved to Charlotte to attend um, UNC Charlotte, where I got my undergrad degree in um, elementary education and mathematics. Um, that was back in 2010 when I graduated. So as you can, see, I'm a little up there. I'm 31. Look, I'm proud to say it. Proud to say that. Um, and then in 2013, I um, received my master's in curriculum instruction uh, from Concordia University. Um, Throughout my educational career, I started off teaching fourth grade, um, taught that for taught that for two years, um, and then I looped up with that second group of fourth graders and taught them fifth grade that next year. Um, and then from there, I decided to just change a little path. Um, I went the uh, charter school route after that, after those three years. Um, so I've been very exposed to a lot of different educational environments. Um, the first school I worked at. Um, was a very uh, Title I, um, very heavily um, African-American and Hispanic population. Um, when I transitioned over to the charter school um, in my fourth year, and that fourth year I actually taught third grade, um, that school was um, the total opposite. Um, I had kids well, that were, that parents were millionaires. Um, so as you can tell, that's our total dynamics 
totally changed, especially from the serious interaction with her. Mom, and even the bad interaction between the students and how much more they were giving me as me trying to pull from them. And then from there, you know, after that third grade year, I transitioned to become their kindergarten through fourth grade facilitator. So I was over the kindergarten through fourth grade teachers and just kind of work with them a little bit to try to, you know, just hone their skills and whatnot. Unfortunately, during that transition, I started, that's when I developed some very, very serious health issues that kind of caused me to... So now I'm just kind of a little bit. My, I wasn't able to do exactly what I was used to. Um, and that carried on for a number of years, even though I transitioned um, from different schools. So after I left the charter school, I went back to uh, what is considered the, what was at the time was considered the worst school in Charlotte. Um, it was called Reed Park. Um, and then I did not last at all there. Um, the spirit, or, um, and I became very, 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 very sick. Um, and had to leave in the uh, middle of the school year. Um, and through that, um, I transitioned back to movement school in 2017 um, and was their math interventionist. Um, so math, like I said, math is my, math is my thing. Um, I love reading as well, but there's just something about numbers that really connect with me. Um, from there, unfortunately, the, uh, my illness did return. Um, I don't really speak about what it yeah, is. Um, I'll just go with this. It's a B word. Um, I don't give power to it. Um, that's why I just call it the C word. Um, but that did return um, back in two, um, early 2018. Um, and that forced me to really, really take a look at myself and decide, okay, what is God trying to tell you? What is God trying to tell you? Um, and from there, um, thank God, I was able to, you know, beat it twice. Um, yes, yes, and from there, from that moment, I decided to um, start developing my own programs and start doing things that, and start approaching education how I felt like that it should be approached. Um, and that's why I started my own tutoring company, started my own event planning company, um, as well as started my own um, YouTube channel that is really geared towards um, holistic health. Right. That's basically me in a nutshell. All right. Well, <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that is that is great. That is great. Um, so today, let's just hop right into today of what we're going to talk about. Um, so this right here, um, today we are going to talk about um, the benefits of having a black male educator quite on early in school. Mm. Um, so, what, let's, what, I want to hear quite of your thoughts quite on this. What do you, what, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Um, as a black male educator myself, I definitely understand the importance of having, uh, and not just that. I would say definitely, definitely early mentoring. A lot of times um, when African-Americans, we go into education, we always think about middle school and high school. And that's generally where society will try to place us. Yeah. If we want to be teachers, they will automatically try to put us in middle school, automatically try to put us in high school. 
simply because they want us to be that disciplinary. We're done with that. We're done with that. Uh, we need to be in the elementary, as soon as the kids get in there, kindergarten teachers, pre-K teachers, first grade teachers, they need to have that exposure early on because let's face it, a lot of these kids, whether they're black, white, okay, whatever they are, they don't have that father figure there. They don't have it at all. So when they come to school and they still don't have it, it's like, well, where are they getting that 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 connection from? If they're only with their parents, um, their mom, if they're only with their grandma, or if they're only with an auntie, or if they're only, you know, with um, Susie Q, you know, you just never know. And it's like they're not getting that full exposure that is going to help them progress in their life when they get to, when they start getting those other stages of life, and they need to draw on from that experience from a, a male perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel that it's very, very crucial for anybody that, especially African males, that if you're interested in education, I say start with elementary. It will be the most rewarding experience you will ever have because the kids at that age. When I tell you they show love like no other, they give you such joy because they, you know it's, it's genuine. You know they don't have an agenda. When they like you, they like you. When they love you, they love you. When they respect you, they respect you. And that's a powerful thing not for um, both parties to experience. Because as that male, let's, let's think about it. With me, I didn't grow up with my dad constantly around. So I didn't, I did not have um, a black male educator until I was in middle school. And even then, it was an art teacher. So as you can see, like it's always, it's like, yeah, you have one, but that's still not a core class. And you know, stuff like that. Um, that's why I say elementary, really, really focus down on kindergarten first and second and watch those kids start to blossom and develop very, 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 very quickly and then once they get that third grade, fourth grade year, and now it's really, really starts to hone in on the academics, they don't have any problem when it comes to the social interaction. They don't have any problems when it comes to how to get along with others and how to show respect and all that because they've already gotten that foundation from a strong king early in their educational career. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and also, I, okay, we kind of me and then my co-host and we had like a guest we talk about this kind of like on, on our podcast when we kind of see they they want to they see us you know as the disciplinarian mm-hmm. like I to me like I don't understand as why do they see us as that to me, that just, we are not there to, you know, to do that mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, all the time. Yes, that just like really kind of like bugs me to, mm-hmm. to death. I mean, we are not there 24 7 to do that all the time. To, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I mean, I just, it's crazy, it's, and it's constant. Um, what I've noticed um, with that is a lot of times they view the black male um, educator as, quote unquote, the um, he's gonna be the mean one, or he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be the one that 
you know, got come in with the iron fist yes. um, and, and whatnot. And that already, that right there puts limits on what that educator, that black male educator can do. Because now you have that image in my mind where anytime you have a problem with any child, whether they're in my classroom or not, mm-hmm. oh, he has to go see Mr. Hill. Oh, you mm-hmm. go, go down to Mr. Hill. I'm like, hmm, why do I teach you fourth or fifth grade? Why do I have the second or third grader in my room? Simply because you want you want them to see some or want them to have that quote unquote fear, which is what it truly is. They want to try to put fear into these young kids at, when it comes to looking at the African American male. That's the truth. They want they want those kids to grow up fearing us as opposed to loving us. Right. Yeah. So I just yeah with that yeah. So we need to yeah. Um, also, yeah, we need to, like, bring up also that 2% of the African male, of mm-hmm. bringing that 2% more, because to me, that's just like, we also talk about that on our podcast, on our show, that, to me, that's just, like, ridiculous. We need to up it, we need to just, that's just... I don't, I, I, that's just like really, that's just sad to me. That's just, I was, yeah, it's, it's sad that, that it's that low. So 2% when we clearly, clearly are the majority. Yes. Um, in the pot, in the, you know, and people, and it's like, hmm, why are we constantly allowing someone else to educate our kids? Why aren't we developing programs? Why aren't we opening schools? Why aren't we doing those things and really taking charge of our kids' education as opposed to letting it fall in the hands, and I, I'm not afraid to say it, letting it fall in the hands of the government? Mm-hmm. I am one, I'm one, I'm a big advocate for um, charter schools, for um, home schools, um, for any alternative um, educational methods because I know that a lot of times in public education, it's cookie cutter. Um, and kids are fed information as opposed to being allowed to explore and allowed to really discover the information on their own. Um, my philosophy was always, if I can ignite that curiosity in my kids, then they will be lifelong learners long after they leave me. And that's the goal. That has always been my mindset when I approached education. Is I don't want. I could care less if I teach you um, how to solve this two plus two problem, or if I can teach you how to read. If I can teach you the fact that you can go out there and and find these skills and discover these skills and hone these skills on your own without anybody telling you to, then I've done my job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Yeah. I completely agree with that so yeah um so i want to ask you this question right here um do you believe um do you think school districts around the world, do you think they want black, do do you think that they want us 
black educators mm-hmm. in schools. Honestly. No. Honestly, I think it's I think it's very clear um, of who they prefer mm-hmm. as educators. Um, it's the um, Caucasian woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very obvious. They they are the ones that get the most scholarships to these programs. They're the ones that get um, those are the ones that get promoted most often when it comes to higher positions after teaching, as it comes to facilitating, when it comes to being admins. And you and I always look at it, and I you know I used to always keep my mouth shut when I just would observe. You know the choices uh, that some of these districts makes when it comes to appointing um, administrators and when it comes to um, giving opportunities to you know African Americans, whether it be male or female. Um, I'll give you one example. When I was at um, Cabarrus Charter Academy, um, and which is a school from Charter Schools USA, I don't mind exposing them because I just feel like they are truly not what they say they are. Um, I worked with them for two years. That was the school I was at facilitating. I taught third grade and then was a facilitator. Um, they have a great vision um, that they like to spread out that says uh, put, putting students first. Um, but through my experience, every decision that they ever made was always about putting them first, always about putting the money first, always about putting the, the parents first and making sure they're happy. It was never about the students. Mm. Um, so I was just like, hmm. and then one instance um, that school year, we had to go through a, a big transition where we lost our principal, um, our initial principal, um, and they, you know, the, the, they made the AP um, principal, and then they had two um, people that were um, stepping in in that AP role. Um, one was my very, very good friend. Um, she was African American. And then there was another lady who was Caucasian. So we knew that throughout the rest of that school year that one of them, they were basically in a couple of months interview to see who was going to get that position uh, for the new school year. Okay, so things started to progress. And let me just give you a little bit of background about those two people. Um, one, one um, the African-American, she um, had had her degree um, in education, had her admin, um, in the process of finishing her admin license. Um, had taught for uh, numerous years, was a science facilitator, um, worked at numerous schools, um, just really had a good rapport with the students. Um, the other lady, she was a fourth grade teacher. Um, she um, looked at her results and stuff like that towards the end of the year, uh, totally dismissive. Totally, I was like, mm, okay. Um, and then through those couple of months, um, she really didn't offer any type of support to the teacher. She really didn't, because she didn't have the admin degree. She didn't have that knowledge. She didn't know how to do this type of form and how to do that form and how to be in compliant with all that. However, tell me why she was the one that got the position during the summer. Hmm. 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 That's exactly what we said. And we were like, it just did not make sense at all. They, they, they couldn't justify it. Wow. They they couldn't justify it. You have this beautiful African American woman that had mm-hmm. all the pedigree in the world, had all the results in the world, mm-hmm. but you still chose to go with someone that fit your image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay then. Well, so then the only reason, the only reason I feel that I was able to be promoted. Um, 
as being that facilitator that next year was be found as the academic facilitator because of my rapport with the uh, teachers mm-hmm. and my rapport with the principal um, that had left and the, the new uh, principal basically uh, the AP that was there when she, when she was there they knew my work ethic my results proved it my uh, my attitude my demeanor is something that they saw that they needed in order to keep some teachers there because there was a lot of teachers during that time that were ready to leave um, but once they found out that I was going to be the facilitator, they decided to stay. So again, that was a very strategic move on their part. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Well. Huh. Well. I'm going to ask you a question. During your educational career, how many black male educators have you encountered as, as far as, you know, being exposed to? Um, I only... Hmm, I only, let's, about... Only two. Mm. And that's, no, that's what I said, that's normal for... Is they'll have maybe one, like I said, it'll usually be an extra teacher, so like the art teacher, the PE teacher, um, someone like the, um, we would get like a, um, the science, like a science facilitator or something like that. It was all, it was never the core teacher. And like I said, I never had one up until middle school and that was art. And then I had one in PE. Um, and then I can say that I... After that, that was it. I did not have one in um, high school, which was very surprising. Um, from what I can remember, I didn't have any um, black male um, educators in high school. Um, I only, I didn't have, I had plenty of, luckily I did have plenty of African American women um, in high school. But it's, again, um, Caucasian, they still heavily dominated. And then, now what was great though, is I did have a print, my principal in high school was African American. Yeah. Um, yes, his name was uh, Mr. Sin. Um, and again, with that, I still feel like they had him there as a figure of a discipline. Um, because once he retired, once he left, uh, um, or whatnot. Of course, they gave the reins over to the other persuasion. Um, and from that, the whole the school changed. Um, you don't really hear um, a lot of the alumni. I mean, they don't go back as much. Um, that community feel is no longer there like it used to be. It starts to rebuild because um, they they had a really good successful football season last year, so that, that kind of helped to kind of reveal that community atmosphere. Um, but it, it just wasn't there. So I'm excited to see um, next school year um, what it looks like, what it looks like in that district. Like I said, I'm from the uh, 252, which is a, it's a smaller area code back uh, on the East Coast. Um, and in my district, um, Lenore County, which is what it was, um, it was very, very small. They were only like, um, there was probably maybe eight or nine elementary schools um, and then there were three middle schools 
and then there were three high schools. Um, so it's like we truly all fed into each other. The competition was all, you know, it was like right there. Mm-hmm. And my high school um, and my um, middle school at the time was always the one that not necessarily got the bad rep. We were all, we were in the middle. Okay. We were in the middle. We had a good balance of it being very diverse. Um, we had a pretty good population as far as, you know, whites, Hispanics, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other schools were either heavy one way or heavy the other way. Um, so I, I, I was truly blessed with being exposed to that diverse atmosphere, which allowed, you know, me to develop those social skills and uh, develop that acceptance of people that weren't like me. And for them to see me and, and see others, it really helped. So that's why I truly believe that we have to have a diverse population in all schools. In all schools. Now, now that go that only goes to say for when we are talking about public schools. Mm-hmm. Now, if we, because I'm a, like I said, I'm a big advocate for homeschools and charter schools, and those I feel like should definitely be ge- geared towards a specific type of population. So when you get ready to open a charter school, open up a high school, you need to have a clear vision about the type of kids you want in your school and go out and develop those programs and develop the marketing for those type of kids because it's truly going to be your vision. And then you can teach them exactly what you want to teach them. And that should include how to, you know, social interaction and how to, you know, collaborate with others that aren't like you, that aren't in the school, but you're able to do it at a different rate and a different pace and really give these kids truth because it's just them. When they, when you are in an environment, when it's just you, when it just looks like you, you have a tendency to be more open, a tendency to be more receptive of whatever the messages that are being relayed to you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so I have something here mm-hmm. I want to share. Okay. So um you so you so I found this. The University of Pennsylvania professor Professor Mary Beth Gasman argued that the university failed to hire black professors because they simply did not want them. Mm. So, um, I have, so this is quoted, um, I have learned that faculties will bend the rules, um, knock down walls, and build bridges to hire those they really want, often white colleagues. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to hiring faculties of color, they have played by the rules and get angry. Mm. Exceptions are made. So, um, now with this, I kind of like argue, um, like the same is probably um, is true with the respect. Um, to K through 12 um, mm-hmm. school district. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to like hire um, black male teachers, mm-hmm. they could, but black male teachers, they should be hired um, 
you know, for the right reasons. For the right, I agree, definitely agree. Um, with their, you know, with their kind of like success in their bonds. Yes. So that's, um, that's my thoughts on this, mm-hmm. right? So, what, what, what do you kind of like think on this? I, I definitely think that that is totally true. Even the example that I gave with the charter school that hired the teacher that, that wasn't qualified to be AP yes. over someone who did actually have an AP degree. Yes. It's like, huh? <laughs> um, but I definitely feel that it, it comes down to basically they're intimidated by us. Mm-hmm. They know that if they give us those type of positions, that we're not going to put up with a lot of mess. Mm-hmm. That um, we're going to stand up for what we believe in. And sometimes that can get very confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm one, I'm, I'm one that I have such a passion for education. Oh, I will argue you down. <laughs> um, and this is because I have the love for these kids, for the youth. I like, I truly put them first. So if you come at me with anything that is truly not going to benefit these kids, oh, we're going to go at it. Mm-hmm. And I might not, and that's what I have to, I might not win that battle, but I'm going to let it be known that I was not in support of the things that you're trying to do. Exactly. So when things when things do fall apart, which they always do, mm-hmm. you can come back and say, hmm, I was like, uh-huh. And I yeah. never say, I told you so. That's not me. I just say, hmm, and I wait for them to come back and, and search for a solution from me. That's how I look at it. Because I'm never going to have to feel like I have to always assert my authority, assert my authority. It's just my opinion. You, right. you don't have to accept it or anything like that. I just know what I believe, and I don't mind standing up for that. And it took me a while. Like I said, early in my career, uh, my first year, my second uh, year teaching, I, I definitely had a problem with that. Uh, my very first year teaching was, it was, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I was, um, like I said, I taught fourth grade math and science my very first year. Um, and the way they grouped the kids there that year was they did it by, quote, unquote, test scores from the previous year. Um, so if, you know, I, you had your lows, you had your highs, you had your needs, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And they chose me to teach the, uh, the high kids. Mm-hmm. Um, now, people don't understand teaching the high kids is the hardest thing to teach because they come with knowledge already above their grade level. So it forces that teacher to really have to dig and really have to explore and really come up with some things that are gonna push them to another level. And that can be very, very, very stressful for a brand new teacher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily, I knew that I was always destined to be a teacher, so I welcomed that challenge. So I didn't have to fall into that issue. The issue that I fell into was with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, the parents of that school, and that was a Title I school, uh, but me, since I had the kids that were quote unquote higher, um, their parents were a little bit more involved. Um, and they, I tell you, they were, in the beginning, they were not happy with me at all. And I think it simply was because I was a first year teacher and that I was very, very young. And they didn't think that I was qualified to teach their child. When in reality, let's be real, first, second, third year teachers are the most qualified to teach anyone because they are the ones that have that brand new knowledge fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. 
So they are the ones that truly have the most potential to rock Ted Ford. And it's not about a simple, but that still has uh, districts like to approach how the measure of a teacher is looking at their Ted Ford. But those are the ones that truly have the opportunity to show some unbelievable growth with their kids because they have those, those best practices that truly our best practice right then and there, as opposed to the teacher that has been teaching for 10 or 15 years, and I always go to these professional development workshops, but aren't really paying attention to these professional development workshops. So, when it came down to the parents, um, and I had parents that would go see the principal about me, as opposed to coming to me first. Um, I had parents that would go to my uh, team lead, um, as opposed to coming to me first. Um, and they were all, they were looking at me like, hmm, hmm, hmm. But when I would get in the meeting and I would start to actually speak, <laughs> oh, it, it changed. They would, they would be like, oh, 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 yes, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Look, I know what I'm doing. Um, and from that, and from the after those scores and stuff like that, and when I tell you that day, I will never forget it because it, it literally, as I, I'm about to bring tears to my eyes now because I remember one particular kid, um, his name was Chancellor. Um, and Chancellor had failed third grade. Um, and so he did third grade twice and that was his first time being promoted to fourth grade. And since he did third grade twice, his second year's test scores were, of course, really, really high. So he was placed in my group. Now, listen to what I said. You failed third grade the first time, but because you were, had already had it, the, third, the second time, your test scores were unbelievable. So they placed him in my group. Now, I knew that he was not qualified, technically, to be in my group uh, because that, that could have just been luck. And you've already been exposed to that. I mean, you should have had a good set scores. You had it twice. Mm -hmm. um, so I really had, really, 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 really had to work with him and a couple of others. But he always comes to mind because when the test scores came back, and I, I just remember him because he wasn't in my home room, but I just remember him running down to my classroom and showing me his paper. And he was like, Mr. Hill, I did it. I did it. I did it. That baby got fours on, you know, the first time around when he had ones in third grade and twos in third grade, and he went from that to a four the first time around. And I, I was like, and right then there, I knew, like, I'm gonna have some tough days, I'm gonna have kids, I'm gonna have all this stuff, but I knew that this was truly my calling. Because the joy in his face, the, the, the amount of, just pure happiness that he was able to achieve something that, let's be real, they probably, no one probably expected that. And I can be real, I didn't, I wasn't sure, but I did, I didn't notice, you know, how he was progressing. And he was always that, you know, that C, uh, C average student as, as opposed, you know, whatnot. And I knew that his confidence was taking hits sometimes because he was in that high group. And some of those kids, they were very high. Um, and you know, some kids at that age, when they're around, they have that that attitude well of, how, why you don't know how to do it? You know, I know, how, you know, that type of thing, and that can really damage kids um, early on. Um, so I just had to be very strategic about, you know, who I placed him with and who he was working with. And it takes a lot of work. 
But that's the sign of a true educator. That's the sign of a true facilitator because I feel like that's what you have to be. You can no longer be a teacher you, uh, in your classroom. You have to be the facilitator of your classroom. Meaning, you can't be the one that's always giving the knowledge. You have to give these kids, whether it's, I don't care if it's kindergarten, give these kids the opportunity to teach themselves and to teach each other. Form those those teacher those quote unquote facilitator groups, those teacher groups. Give them a topic to go out and explore on their own, and then come back and present to the class. And watch that that, that their mind start to be like it's just gonna start to blossom because they're getting that knowledge now from who? From someone that is looks like them, that's the same age as them. They're gonna receive it a lot different. That's why I say you have to be the facilitator of your classroom now as opposed to just being a teacher. Mm. Well. Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's great. That's great right there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, is there, um, anything else that you would, um, like to add to this discussion before we wrap this up? Uh, I would just say, you know, people that are, you know, students that are about to venture into, um, maybe it's their first year, first, first, second, third year, or even if you're just about to enter into college and begin that journey of becoming that facilitator, I would say remain authentic. So personally, personally, remain authentic, meaning don't start to try to change yourself to fit the mold of what you think or what you think they want as a teacher or what you think they want as an educator. Truly be yourself through the entire process, even if it's you know taking classes, when it's sitting up doing presentations, when it's going on, um, um, I, I, I don't know what you guys call them there, but here we call them clinical experiences. So that's like when you go in, um, you're not a teacher yet, but you go in and observe other teachers. You go in and just take notes. You go in and, and, and volunteer um, and whatnot. Truly be authentic in the way you approach it. If you're that extra crazy type of teacher that I was, like I used to always, like I used to do cartwheels in my classroom. And the kids would, would just be like, Mr. Hill, you crazy. I was like, I, I know. I said, but you love me, though, don't you? And they're like, I'm mm-hmm. I said, because it, it gives the kids that, that, that opportunity to see you as human. Mm-hmm. It gives the kids the opportunity to see you as, oh, you're just another person. I don't have to be scared. I, I can truly share with them. And since I developed that type of relationship, kids used to tell me, things that they would never like tell anybody else and that's how I built that always have that relationship with kids even kids to this day when they see me and I might not remember their names but boy they sure remember me and I and it just gives you good good energy all the time just to know wow I truly have made a difference because all I needed to do was reach what just one kid in my career and I would be happy and just to see that constantly coming back in even from other teachers and other people that I, you know, I've worked with, like I said, I've worked at a numerous of schools throughout my educational career. I want to say a total of five or six 
um, and still get that type of love from the people that work there. I knew I could still go back to any school right now that I've ever worked at and have that same type of love like I just left yesterday. And that's a sign of not only a great educator and facilitator, but that's the sign of just a genuine, authentic person is when you can constantly have that love from others when you're no longer in their presence or when the situation didn't go like you thought it would go or you know something like that is when they can you can still put all of that beside you and just share and just be blissful in each other's presence mm-hmm. so that's what i would say is just remain authentic during this journey all right all right again um so I would like to thank you for coming on to my show today. Um, great for having you on. A great discussion we had. So yes, thank, yes. You, thank you for coming on. Um, you are welcome to come back anytime you like. Anytime. Um, good. All right. So um, where can um, so where can people like follow you at on gotcha okay you can uh follow me on instagram um i have a double a couple of different accounts but uh i would say the main one is to follow my uh my personal account which is uh at 24k the golden one um that's also on facebook as well um if you would like to follow my business page um, which is where I, you know, I have things about my tutoring. I, I do my gift baskets, um, tissue creation, award, all that good stuff. Um, you can follow me at CS5RZ. So again, that was CS5BYRZ. Um, and that's on Instagram and as well as Facebook as well. And then my actual website, um, you can visit and see what I offer and things that I'm doing and whatnot is www. Creativesimplicitybyrz.com. All right. All right. I will see y'all into the next video. Have a great and fantastic day. All right. Peace. Hello, everyone. It's Damien Anderson. If you have a question, concerns about my podcast, Education Thoughts with Damien Anderson, stories to share with me, feedback to make my podcast better, reactions to the things I talk about, jokes to tell, or someone you would like for me to interview, please send them in by direct messaging me directly on Instagram at Anderson or at edutoughtspod. You can email me at damianderson2019 at gmail.com or send in a voice message by going to anchor.fm slash edu thoughts podcast and click on the message tab to where you can record your questions into me. Thanks.